Uh, we lay it all down, not because you want to somehow exclude us. It's because you want to include us. And as we lay it down, Father, then we learn how to do it through you. We lay it down and you give it back to us in such a beautiful, holy, precious way. Father, we're here today because we want you to download in us that which you have from heaven. And that, Father, as we lay it down, we receive it. And we learn, Father, how to walk under your power and your grace. So we thank you for this week. And we know that you're getting ready to get us through another one. But we go in your power because we stand in the presence of another. We're here to be encouraged by you, to love on you as you love us. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It is so good to have you here this morning. I do want to say this to you as a church, as a people, and I want to say this in this way that you need to be excited that you were born for a time such as this. You really do. Uh, In America, in America's history, and all the things that have gone on that God birthed you uh, years ago, some of you just a few minutes ago, but birthed you years ago, uh, for a time like this. See, this is what it's all about right here, that the church gets a chance to be displayed the glory of God throughout the whole world. I'm really excited about it. I hope you're excited as well. And so we, we really do thank you for being here. Now, the basis of what we're doing, ladies and gentlemen, it comes out of three particular things. One is that God is asking us as leaders to serve you in the area of discipleship, that you can continue to grow and mature. Make sure you connect with that. Second of all, in the area of evangelism, that you may be able to reach out and be a light to this world in the midst of darkness. But also in the area of neighboring, that you can reach out to your own culture sector, people that are right next to you. That's the basis of who Eus is. And in the process, you get unwrapped. In the process, you get healed. That's the name Eus That's really what it's all about. It's basically being restored. And that's what we're about here. And, and so if you've been traveling with us over the last several weeks, I just want to lay some groundwork for you. Because three weeks ago, we started talking about what it meant, okay, to give out of God's source, to give out of God's mind, to give out of God's heart, to give out of God's resources even to give out of God's wallet. And we've been talking about that because there's so much more to that. So the first thing that you learned three weeks ago was grace in action. We looked at Luke 6, 38. We told you the four R's there was there to, 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 to be able to uh, reverse whatever the world throws at you, to retaliate in the way that God wants you to, and for you to experience what is called the rate of exchange because what you give comes greater back to you. And then there's a reward. Why? Because even he gives to unfaithful and evil men. He wants you to do the same thing. And he wants you to be sons and daughters of him. And then uh, two weeks ago, we, we started telling you about attitude in action. Well, we looked at Philippians 2, 5 through 8. And we started talking about what those four, uh, you know, A's were, uh, the, the 
thing is that you change the, the, the atmosphere and all of a sudden you become what? Anti-self. And then you make what? An adjustment. And then you become in an appearance the way he wants you to be. And then last week as we were visited by the CSU football team, we talked about the GIV, the give, okay? That when you give, what you're doing is generating growth. And as you generate growth, you're making an investment. Why? For what you call health. And then the V is that you you, you, you vitalize your, your your whole being. You, you give it in, you, you give vitality to that. And, and, and then the last one was the E, which was an eternal impact. So in the last three weeks, you've been learning about giving out of God's heart. You've been learning about giving out of God's mind. You've been learning about giving out of God's attitude. You've been learning how to giving out of God's wallet. Now the last, the, the, the next couple of months. Now why do I say this in the next couple of months? Because we're getting ready to jump into 2 Corinthians. We're going to be looking at what? Chapter 8 and chapter 9. You need to write that down. Now, next week, we'll give you another a set of scripture we want you to remember. It's going to come out of Hagar. But today, we're going to be opening up now, talking about how Jesus got a hold of a group of people called the Macedonians. You're going to be hearing that story. And Paul is saying something to us. Now, I'm going to be the messenger Paul, not in any way of who he was. And you're going to be the Corinthians, Okay. And there's going to be a people called the Macedonians that we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at those first nine verses. We're going to read it. And then right at the end, I want to share with you something what God is doing. But I want you to think about that there's another people out there that God is using to give you an example of what he wants you to do when it comes to giving. Now, understand something. We're not talking about cash here. We're talking about giving your mind. We're talking about giving your heart. We're talking about giving your attitude. We're talking about giving your time and your talents. We're talking about giving your power. Watch this. We're also talking about giving, you know, your passion. Your passion. Then you look at possessions because they come at the end, not at the beginning. So, so, so if you can give those three things in the beginning, then what you own, you realize is not yours. Then you just become a manager. Are you with me this morning, church? You just become a manager of your gifts. You just become a manager of your talents. You just become a manager because God's gave it to you. I just want you to understand that this morning. So we are about the business right now as the Jesus Christ Fellowship getting ready now to move into a place of permanency. Uh, we, we believe we got the site that we want. But let me tell you what's going to be so unique about this. Uh, we're going to be able to do this, you know, cash free. We're, we're, man, look here, we're, we're not, we're not going to owe anything after that. I just want you to understand that. Now, that's been in the makings for three, four, five months. And my job before God is just to get you ready to participate. Guess what? Because it's going to change your life too. It's going to change your life, man. So if you've been listening, Luke 6, 38. If you've been listening, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. If you've been listening, what we did, give and it'll be given unto you. If, if, if you listen, that, that for God so loved the world that he gave, you start realizing that you are giving being. And you give because of who you are, period. So please don't let it be just the issue of possessions. Your attitude you need to give. Your heart you need to give. Your service you need to give. Too much often people come into church looking, 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 want to receive, 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 receive. 
But God made us to give, to give to those around us, to help them, to grow them. Because anytime you give yourself to another person, you cause somebody else or something else to live. So here's what we're going to do, okay? Now, my Bible continues to explode on me. I got a couple in the church that wanted me to go get a new Bible and even gave me the resources for it, but I'm lazy. I'm just a lazy guy. You know, when you hang on to something, you don't want to get rid of it that quick. You know what I'm saying? So we're going we're gonna to get that done. So if you will, will you turn with me to 2 Corinthians 8, and we're going to read these nine verses. Then we're going to jump over, all right, to John 1. We're going to look at 14 through 18, and then we're coming back to 2 Corinthians 8. Why? Because I want you to get the heart of the author. Not Paul, God himself, using Paul, because you learn from the intent of the author. All right? Now, look, watch this. It says, now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great deal of affliction, their abundance of joy, watch this, and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of liberality. That is crazy. That's impossible. I want you all to know that. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord begging us with much entreaty for the favor of participation in support of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they first gave themselves, watch that, to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Consequently, we urge Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this, watch this, gracious work as well. But just as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all earnestness, and in love, we're inspiring you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. I am not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. And verse 9 will be finished. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty may become rich. May God add the blessing to the reading of his word. May may he do that for you. What does this mean for you today? How, how, How can scriptures like this do this to you? Now, here's the key. See, when Jesus gets a hold of an individual and begins to turn him backside up, because we're born into this world upside down, he begins to line him up like he was originally intended to be. But not only when Jesus gets a hold of the individual, guess what? When he gets a hold of a people, the same thing happens. The world gets a chance to see it. It changes an individual. It changes a family. It changes a household. It changes a neighborhood. It changes a community. It changes a city. It changes a state. Now watch this. It even changes a nation. Because it starts with a handful of people who say, you know what? I want Christ. And I want the best that he has for me. Well, this is what happened in Macedonia. Now in order for you to get this picture, here's where you're going to get both grace in action Attitude in action, give it in action, all in one story. So chapter 8 and chapter 9 tells you the whole story about when God gets a hold of a people. And he gets a hold of every part of who they are. And all of a sudden it becomes contagious and it begins to change. 
And so what I want to do is show you in John 1, verses 14 through 18, what God gave to us in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Church, are you with me at all right now? I just want to make sure because I'm leading you somewhere, okay? Now, I want you to go to the Gospel of John. You've got to keep your finger in 2 Corinthians. This is going to show up on the screen. And when you go to the Gospel of John, what you get in the first chapter is something about the Word of God itself. The Word of God itself. Now, here's what it says in verse 14. I want to just slow down just for a moment. Now, don't forget, we're laying the basis for verses 1 through 9 in 2 Corinthians 8. But here's how it's laid. You go to the gospel first and see what Jesus said. It says, now, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I want you to know how hard that hit the Greeks. Because the Greeks made it very clear that the spirit was separate from the body. They knew about the gods, and they knew about humanity, and they believed that both of them were separate. You heard about the Greek gods and the Greek goddess, and they believed in that. But humanity was just mush, and the gods were real. So when you hear somebody like John come and say to you, and the word became flesh, man, that stunned them. Now, and you know who else is stunned? The Jews. Because it says that it dwelt among them. Why? Because the Jews' history in the Old Testament was what? God dwelling in the temple with Moses. But now he's saying that God now is going to dwell in your temple. He's going to fulfill you. He's going to come inside of you. And instead of some physical temple that was built in the Old Testament, he's going to reside in you, the physical temple today. Amen, church. He resides in you right now. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He resides in you. So everything that God has for you is in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when John says that, now watch how they say uh, he comes. He's the only begotten full of what? Grace and truth. You can't have truth without grace. Let me tell you something, man. Truth will kill you. If we know everything about the truth of everything about everybody in this room, man, you would get up and walk out of here. You you don't want people to know the little old stuff about, yeah, truth. You need truth because it sets you free. Watch this. But if you don't serve truth in grace, you die. So Jesus was full of it. What? Truth and grace. Then he moves on. Watch this. John bore witness of him, and he cried out saying, this was he whom I said, he who comes after me has a higher rank than I. He existed before me. Hold on, John. You were born before this guy. <laughs> but John is saying, hold on. He existed before me because he was a pre-existing God. And then he moves on and say, for his, of his fullness, we have all received what? Grace upon grace. Now, here's the beauty of this. Jesus came as the grace of God to us. And his coming gave us more grace. Think about that. And, 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 and this, this, this last two verses I'm going to read is going to show you the beauty of that. Had God not sinned to Jesus, he would have had no grace on us. There, there was enough going on for him to just, boop, knock us out of here. But he didn't do that. He loved us so much that he gave us grace. But he not only gave us grace in a person, 
See, 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 truth is no longer an idea. Truth is no longer just a bunch of facts and figurations. Truth now is a person. It's Jesus. I don't know many of you who are athletes today. There used to be a guy in the NFL who used to call the truth. Man, he was a freak. Because everything about him embodied the sport. Well, let me tell you something. Everything about God, Jesus embodies. He's truth. Now, here's this part I want you to get before we get back to 2 Corinthians 8. Are you traveling with me so far? I'm, I'm setting you up a little bit. You got to know. You got to know we do that. Let's set you up a little bit. Because I want you to understand the beauty of what you need to walk out of here with this morning before we go back to 2 Corinthians 8. Now, here's what he said. Grace upon grace. Now, watch this. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth. Watch this. Realized through Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. People can say anything they want to you, but until you realize it, until it becomes real to you, it's just words. See, Jesus helped us realize God. Nobody else could. He did the things that only God could do. You think about it, ladies and gentlemen, walking on water. I'd like to have a pail of water brought into this room and have anybody standing here and see what's happened. Okay. Jesus stopped the funeral procession, man, gave a man his life back. Yeah. Jesus fed 20,000 people with just a couple of fish and some bread. Cast demons out of people, did all of that. Only God could do those things. So Jesus helps us realize God. Now, here's the key. When you begin to realize that you are just managing what God gave you, then you understand how his power works. See, when you just realize that your brain is not there for you to think about what you want to think about, but you need to think about what God is thinking about. When you realize the effort that you have, the physicality that you've got, it's not just because you like to do bike races and run and do all those marathons. It's because God has given you the physicality to do it. And it's little possessions that you have. Man, when you realize that it's not yours and that you're managing somebody else, I'll tell you what, there would be not a single person in this room that if we gave you the job of managing a billion dollars that you wouldn't quit your job and say, hey, I'll do it. Because, you know, managing that billion means you're going to have a little bit of that too. You know what I'm saying? So whether it's $20 or $20 billion, you're still a manager. Are you following this at all? Jesus showed us how to do it because he managed the father's wealth and he did it gracefully. He managed the father's truth and he did it gracefully. And we are here today because we worship him because we want to do the same thing to our husbands. We want to do the same things to our wives. We want to do the same things to our children. We want to do the same thing to our bosses. We just want to manage it well. And, and all of a sudden, here we, here we come, and this, and this other one, he says, now, hold on, hold on. No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten of God, who is in the bosom of the Father. Now, watch this. He explained him. Now, I want you to get a load of this. Jesus did two things. He not only helped us realize God, but watch this. He helped us explain. He explained God. Explain. 
Now, what would it be like if the people around you, in your home, in your cul-de-sac, in your business, saw you as a person who helped them realize God? Think about that. What would happen to you if the people around you, when they looked at you and they exchanged anything with you, that you helped them explain God? That your life was an explanation to them. And your life was a realization to them that God existed. What would happen? You would be sons and daughters of the living God. Amen. Come on, church, look here. Now, some of these things you got to say yes to. You just can't sit and listen to that because it, it changes the culture. It changes the atmosphere. Now, God has shown up. And when you show up, think about this. God is realized and explained. Man, I hope you're getting this. <laughs> I hope you're getting this. See, so now, when Paul tells the Corinthians what happened in Acts 16, when he couldn't go into what? Asia. Because someone from Macedonia said, come and visit us. And he goes into Macedonia. He goes into Philippi. He goes into Thessalonica. And he goes into Berea. And he changes the culture. Changes the economical base of that culture. Changes the society and all that. Why? Because he brings God with him. And when you go out, that's what you do. You take him with you. And people see God and not you. So when we talk about giving possessions, it is preceded by grace, attitude, giving out of God's heart out of God's wallet, out of his resources. Oftentimes when people talk about money, all they're talking about is gimme, 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 gimme. All the church want is money, 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 money. And watch this. I love this. Why do y'all put that kind of pressure on the church when she asks for money? And not a single soul goes in the restaurant worried about the restaurant asking for money for the food that they get. You ever thought about that? You ever just went in a restaurant and said, your yeah, man, food was good. See y'all later. Okay, nice to be here. Boo, you walk out. You ever, you ever seen anybody do that? You know, and nobody even thinks about it because you just got served something. Well, look here, man. You get served every single week with the food of the kingdom. And when God asks just for a little of it back, we cringe. It's because our attitude is wrong. That's all. Our attitude is wrong. And because of the grace that God gives, we miss it. So now we're getting ready for the next five or six weeks to, to eavesdrop on a story with the Macedonians. Okay, I'm going to ask the question again. Are you hearing me? Is everybody okay? It's okay to say amen if pastor we're with you, you know. It's okay to say, Pastor, let's roll, let's roll, let's roll. You know, I'm not, I'm not looking for a chilling session. 
but 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 I will say this to you, you know. And 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 Flip Wilson, God bless his heart, died some twenty some years ago. Beautiful guy gets up, and and he's the Reverend Leroy from the church on what's happening. And and, and he gets up, man, and he comes out to the congregation and say, "Hey!" And in order for the church to move, she she man, she's got to learn how to crawl. Everybody say, "Let it crawl, real, let it crawl." And now, once the church learns how to crawl, she's got to get up and walk. Everybody say, let her walk, Reb, let her walk. And when she learns how to walk down, she's got to learn how to run. You know, Flip, he's running across the stage. Everybody says, let her run, let her run, let her run. And he says, in order for the church to run, she needs money. People say, let it crawl, Reb, let it crawl. <laughs> yeah, we understand. We understand. We understand it. I just stole that from Flip, man, just stole it, okay? Just stole it from him. Now, let's jump back into Second Corinthians and kind of bring this home for you. Now, these words mean something. Watch this. Now, now, brethren, okay, we wish, Paul is saying, I have a desire to make known to you, watch this, to bring to your attention and your remembrance, all right, okay, Corinthians, that's you. The grace. Now, this grace is just the kindness that flows from his what? Primary expression of mercy, reconciliation of sinners to himself in Christ. That's the grace that he's talking about. Which God, watch this, has given. God has given this, granted to them in the churches of Macedonia. That's in Acts 16, the region of Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. This came out of a repentant Art. Paul just want this past experience of the Macedonians as an example for the Corinthians to show them how grace and attitude are in action. That's it. It's an example. It's a reminder. And verse 2, it says now that, that in a great ordeal, now ladies and gentlemen, ordeal means horrific. I mean, these people were upon a tremendous amount of pressure, and the world affliction means painful, going through dangerous and painful tests. In other words, they were going through adversity. There's not a single soul in here that haven't had some adversity in their life, but it says their abundance. They were overflowing in something. This situation that they were in required that grace. And it said, what, an abundance of what? Joy, emotional Okay, emotional stuff, but well-being with great happiness. It doesn't make sense to have horrific, painful, testful situations and have what? An abundance of joy. That's why I'm going to talk to James, man, when I get to heaven and say, James, you wrote a book called what? Hey, when you experience various trials, you told me to be happy. Man, what is wrong with you? James wrote that book, man. And then he says, and in there, what? Deep poverty. They had a state of being poor. They didn't have anything. But watch this, ladies and gentlemen. They overflowed. And that was an abundance. What did they do? Of wealth. What what were they wealthy in? They were wealthy in freedom. They were wealthy in liberality. That's what they were wealthy in. And, and, And then... I, 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 I just want to I just want to make this statement to you because this is what we're going to bring home here in the next uh, few minutes and then we're going to close it out. 
regardless of your earthly climate, regardless of your earthly climate and financial portfolio, your heavenly bank account, watch this, is always full. I'll say it again. Regardless of the earthly climate you might be in, regardless, and regardless of your financial portfolio, your heavenly bank account is always full. I want you to think about that. And very seldom do we tap into it because we let our circumstances and our resources determine our happiness and our health. God says, stop it. <laughs> stop it. Just, just, just stop doing that. The evidence that they passed the test brought on by affliction confirms the real faith, people, showing itself in joy and liberality. And watch this, verse 3. For I testify that according to their what? Ability. That means, Paul says, man, I saw it. And what was what appropriate for them is what they had. But Paul is saying, hold on. They had the capabilities of giving something in competence beyond what they had. You know what? And they gave it on their own accord. Gave it on their own accord. Now, now you think about these people. Now, Rick and I had the wonderful pleasure. Pastor Rick and I had the wonderful pleasure of going to Thailand, man. And when we turned down certain streets, and they had these streets that you could smell the flesh before you got there. And then you start seeing the people. And here you are in America, you got all this stuff, and you see a man's flesh falling off his bones. Disease-ridden, poverty-stricken. And yet, Paul is saying, there were some people in Macedonia whose poverty was so bad, and yet they outgave the Corinthians who had everything. See, that's grace in action, ladies and gentlemen. That's attitude in action. You need to get this for your own life for your life that God will give you an ability to follow a boss who's ungrateful for your service he gives you ability to serve in places man that may poo poo your faith see they did this without being what manipulated or coerced their testimony exceeded the norm Verse 4, begging us with much entreaty for the favor of participation and support of the same. They said, man, do not rob me of this blessing. Jerry, one of our elders, says something in staff meeting the other day that just blew me away. Because as people, uh, you know, who give, think about this. We also have a hard time receiving. Because, oh, oh, no, I don't deserve that. Well, I gave it to you because you don't deserve it. But here's what you do. When you receive, you give people the opportunity to be blessed. Does that make sense to you? When you receive what somebody gives you, you give them the opportunity to be blessed. These guys said, let us sit on this. You, you, you think because we're poor that we can't participate? And, and James says, be careful how you treat people. Just because somebody's portfolio says a billion, and this guy says below the poverty line, then when he walks in the room, do you see him any different? Paul says, no, these people are saying, man, don't see us that way, man. Give us the point to give us the, uh, the ability. And this not as we have expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. That's the first thing. And to us, by the will of God. 
See, the greatest demonstration of God's grace is not how it is expressed in the life of others, but how it responds to God and his cause. See, see, these guys are serious stuff. We're reading. We're getting ready to close this now. It says, and and, and consequently, uh, here in verse 6, we urged Titus that, that as he need, had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete this in you in this gracious work. See, how many times, you know, as we get ready to kind of bring this home with these next three verses, how many times have you started to do something and then you stopped doing it? How many times you started a good act in your heart and then something derailed it? How many times have we said, man, when I get all this money, this is what I'm going to do. As soon as I get the money, man, my mind changes. See, see, these Corinthian people heard about what was going on in Jerusalem. And see, God, through Paul in the 15th chapter of Romans, says, look at here. Corinth, if you're going to experience, if you're going to be blessed in the spiritual things of Jerusalem because they brought you the gospel, then they need to be blessed in your material things. See? And I want you to get this. That's what he's trying to say. These people are because you got what they got because God gave them the gospel to give to the rest of the world. Now, it should behoove you to give back to them. And, and I'm not sitting up here trying to make the church something. But let me tell you something, man. The gospel is free, but it's expensive to get out. It's free. But it costs money to get that gospel out into the world. And so, and so what God is saying to these guys is that Titus already had it in him to go do this thing. That's a generous work that needs to be completed in you. Now watch verse 8. I'm not speaking this as a command, but as proven through the earnestness of others, the sincerity of your love. He says, I can't make you do anything. But I want to use the Macedonians to stir up your sincerity of where you began. I'm just going to use them. I'm going to use them as an example. Now watch verse 9 as we get ready to close. For you know the grace of God, of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know it. And how do you know it? Because God demonstrated his love for you. By even while you were sinners, Christ came and died for you. The greatest act of grace ever in the history of mankind. Grace. Now, we know what grace is, ladies and gentlemen. It's the ability to do something you cannot do on your own. Grace gives you favor. That's what it does. Now, watch this, watch this exchange. That though he was rich, how many billionaires you know gave up all their money so that somebody else who was poor could become rich. How many gods you know combine broken hearts? How many kings you know that would surrender their authority? How many lords you know say, don't bow down to me. I'm going to bow down to you. You can't find them. There's only one in Jesus. There's not one time did he ever lose his deity or his place. When I think about that, 
For your sake, he became poor. See the rate of exchange there? So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. So church, what is the encouragement today in this? That regardless of your earthly climate and your financial portfolio, your heavenly bank account is full. My encouragement for you today, why don't you start tapping into your heavenly bank account? Why don't you start giving out of God's heart? Why don't you start seeing it through God's eyes? Why don't you start solving your problems with his attitude? Why don't you start doing that? Instead of walking around here with a frown on your face, walking around here miserable, and somebody asks you, man, what's wrong with you? Can't you see the world going to hell in a handbasket? No, man, I don't see that. I see the return of Jesus Christ. I see it setting up just exactly like he said it was going to do. And I see at the end of the book, guess what? We win. So if I know what the end is, my attitude cannot be shaped by anything that goes on. Come on, church. Talk to the brother. See, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. So before we do this, I'm going to ask Tony to come up, and he's going to take just a few seconds. He's not going to take a whole long time. Let me, let me just share with you as we close. Tony, come up here. Now, I want you all to know something. I didn't say anything to Tony at all. So I'm sitting up getting ready for this message this week, and I'm down in my basement. Got a little old rock down in the lower part of my basement. That's just an altar to God that I pray on because of the rock. The rock reminds me of corrosion and pressure and everything to be formed. So I get on my knees, and we have another young man in this church who tells us before we go up on our leadership retreat, you know, it's just time to declare. It's time to just declare what God is doing. He's already doing it. Just speak it out of your mouth. Now, he wasn't talking about name and claim it. Man, it changed our whole leadership retreat last week. So I'm on my knees and I make a statement. I say, God, I would love for this church to get set free. I would love for everybody in this room to be free. Period. To be healed, to have everything you need so that the church could be healthy. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm proclaiming that. Now, the night before, God talks to this guy. I read my text some four hours later after I get up off my knees, and this guy calls me. Okay? And I just want him to tell you real briefly what he says. You don't have a whole lot of time, Tony. Yes, real quickly, I just want to let you know that um, on August 20th, uh, I, was at, I was at work, and um, uh, I was praying right before I get to work so I can just be blessed and bless the company I work with. And then, then the Lord tells me that he said the breakthrough is on its way. Your breakthrough is on its way. That's what the Lord told me. Your breakthrough is on its way. And so I, I, I prayed and asked, who's the breakthrough for? And I thought, I kept thinking it's for my family. But uh, the next thing you know, Pastor Johnny says flashes before me, and I knew it was for the church. So I, I, I wrote it down. I specifically wrote the time at 7 a.m. in the morning on August, 20, August 20th. And then uh, I sent it to him the next day because I wanted to make sure I had confirmation. The next thing you know, I sent it to Pastor Johnny right around 8 o'clock in the morning, around that time. And then he, and I says, if you want to talk about it, call me at my job phone number. And he did. And he says, guess what? 
and he started sharing to me what God had told him and about how God had wanted to, to bless the church. And I, I tell you right now, God is summoning this church forward. God is summoning us to move forward to do what God has called us to do because what he told me about how he wants to go ahead and realize that your breakthrough is on its way. And I've spoken to several individuals there, how they're struggling with finances, how they're struggling with their jobs, how they want God to bless you. Well, I want you to know God's blessing you right now. God's confirmation is coming forth, and he's blessing you right now. As his word is going forth, he's blessing you right now. He's going, he's going to answer your prayers. He's going to answer your prayers and your desires for your heart. And, you know, as I was praying, God said, says, get ready. Your breakthrough is on its way. Get ready. Your breakthrough is on its way. And then he, kept, he started showing me that as Pastor was telling me about how God wants to bless the church financially, bless your people. And then God began to show me, he says, that I'm going to bless you all the way from Laramie to the Front Range, all the way down to Trinidad, Colorado. And he started showing me uh, gold and silver in the mountains of the Front Range. And the people that are there are the treasures out of darkness. They are the gold and the silver that God is talking about. And God has begun to speak to my heart, and I started shaking because I realized that the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart. He says, we will take the land. We will possess the land. That breakthrough is on its way. And that only way that can happen is if we are able to give. But God is going to bless us so that we can give. Amen? God is going to bless you so you can give. I'm going to read this verse. You Go ahead. You clap for the Lord. Amen. Okay. And so now he says, I will give you the treasures out of darkness. Hidden riches stored in secret places. Those are the treasures that God is, is, is letting you know that they're waiting for you. Whether they know it or not, they're waiting for you to go out there and get their souls written in the, God's, in, in the Lamb's Book of Life. God bless you. Yes, sir. Yes, 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 yes. So we're getting ready to pray, take up our offering, and we're going to release you out of here. Uh, those are the kind of things that we experience on Sunday nights when we come back at 6 o'clock on Sunday night at 6.08 East Drake. We just sit and listen and pray and read the word, and there's confirmation all over the place. So if you want to join us tonight, you can do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love, for your heart, and for your power. And we just know that you want us to have your attitude. That's it. We want to see your grace and work. So just move on us as we give in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Uh, I just want to, I just kind of want to close with, with what I do every Sunday and want you to know that heaven is a gift. And, and the reason why heaven is a gift, because maybe there's somebody in here in their spiritual journey. Uh, they don't know for sure that they're going to heaven. They just don't know. And, 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 and God is saying that we can know for sure. And, and if you stood before God and he asked you a question, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Well, we want you to know heaven is a gift. It's free. You cannot earn it. You do not deserve it. But it's been by grace that we've been saved, not by works, so that no man might boast. And we're sinners, man. We can't save ourselves. It's impossible because the wages of sin is death. There's only one sin to keep you out of heaven. So, so, so God said, but his eternal life comes through Jesus Christ. It comes through Jesus Christ. So what did he do? He just took Christ, hung him on the cross. Christ took your record book of sin and mine, and he wrote paid in full with his blood. That's what he did, wrote it. And then he died and rose from the dead. And as he rose from the dead, guess what he did? He purchased a place for you, a place for me. And all he asks us to do by faith is just to say yes to the sacrifice. That's it. And you receive him by faith, not head knowledge, not temporal faith, but trusting Christ alone for salvation. And all he asks you to do is say yes. Father, in the name of Jesus.
Maybe there's somebody here today. Today is the day of salvation. And all they have to do is repent of their sins and say, yes, Jesus. And we just want to give them an opportunity because you say, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven today. If that's you, we're just going to ask you to do one or two things. You can just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to receive Christ so you can stand. Whatever you want to do. Today is the day. Your name can be written in the Lamb's book of life right now. Don't be afraid. Is anybody? Anybody? All right. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand.